Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail, where mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I am your host, Gary Ware. Today on the show, I have Andy Zitzman. Andy is the co-founder of the Game Time Movement, which is a course that helps people who are getting into coaching figure out what they're going to do and develop their courses. And more importantly, he is someone that has found their passion, found his passion in doing awesome work. Welcome to the show, Andy. Gary, thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. Awesome. Before we get into your story and your journey into how you landed where you are, give our audience just a quick teaser on you and your background. All right, me and my background. Well, you know, I like to consider myself uh, a guy that kind of, you know, grew up, grew up with a blue collar mentality. My old man um, and my mother are bo- both born in Detroit. Um, you know, very poor and uh, worked very hard to uh, get to the point where they could raise a family in a more of a middle class lifestyle. Um, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, ingrained in me at a very young age was hard work, um, you know, uh, commitment. And I'm an identical twin, so I'm uh, fairly competitive as well. So uh, I've always been, I would say, you know, the characteristics that define me are competitive, um, you know, committed, hardworking, and, and just passionate in all I do. I love, I love smiling and being happy, man. So That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's one of those things. Just being an identical twin, I know so many twins, and <laughs> that's, I can only imagine, enough pressure in and of itself, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a blessing and a curse a little bit. I think growing up, you know, sometimes you think you're cursed, um, you know, having to share everything. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know, I'm an, I, I like to consider myself an athlete as well. And so, you know, having uh, your best friend right next to you, you know, jumping on the school bus with you, having your best friend right there to push you on the basketball court, the football court, you know, field. Um, you know, most kids just don't get that opportunity. And I had that opportunity and, uh, you know, literally never was afraid of anything really growing up because I had, you know, my strength and my buddy right next to me, even though we were best friends and worst enemies, uh, we had each other's backs. And I, you know, certainly I would say that being an identical twin boy is a luxury that, you know, unfortunately most people don't get because they got to go through life alone. And I didn't really have to experience that until my twenties. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump right into that because I I feel you have a very uh, powerful story that our listeners will really enjoy. And let, let's first start jumping into your your career. You worked for EMC, which is for people who are not familiar with EMC, they manufacture um, servers and hard drives and stuff like that. But you were able to push your way into the company. So let's start with that and let's move forward. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, yeah, so I had a 12 year career with EMC, um, you know, the Fortune 500 company. And uh, what happened was I uh, went to University of Michigan for school and I was in B school and I actually graduated college a year early. So I was, um, you know, wasn't quite ready for a very serious BBA program. It was like an M- a mini MBA. Um, and I was probably lucky that I wasn't ready for it and didn't work probably as hard as I could have in college because what happened was while all my friends were going into consulting and investment banking and all those kind of things, I was like, you know, 20 years old, graduating college and going, what am I going to do with my life? And so uh, I just wanted to get into sales. I knew that salespeople could make great money. Uh, I've been told my whole life that I was a sales guy. Uh, and so I just, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to sell, but I know I wanted to sell. So uh, long and short is I moved to New York when I was 21 and uh, and life started to take off. And I uh, actually, uh, you know, bought and sold Beanie Babies on the black market for about two years. That was my first job. And I knew that I was going to have to go into the corporate world at some point. I knew that that was going to be a fact. Um, and certainly in, within about two years, it just died and it died quickly. And so I was, you know, the first time really in my life where I was really afraid and knew I had to make something happen. And just randomly, um, I was in your neck of the woods out in California and, and a buddy of mine called and told me about this company. And uh, EMC is kind of known as like the Xerox for data storage and technology, you know, great sales training. Uh, the reps make a lot of money. Um, the company invests heavily in the people for training. And so I was like, that's it. That's the company I'm going to work for. And what happened was I, I started going on all these different interviews and I had no experience. I was 24 years old, I had a great education, but I had no experience on paper. And most of these companies and most companies out there will tell you, you know, you need to have five to 10 years experience to get a 
to get a gig with them. And um, if I would have ended there, I would have never have gotten the job. So I did what I normally would normally do, what anyone would normally do. You know, I sent in my resume to HR. I called HR, harassed them like crazy, was calling the general corporate number. And what happened was I started reading some sales books as well to really, um, you know, start learning a, a higher level of enterprise sales. And um, I was reading a book and I saw that the author was in New York and I was like, well, maybe if I go work for this guy, then I'll be able to convince EMC that I'm ready and they can hire me. And I just couldn't get in the door, you know, at EMC. Recruiters couldn't get me in. Um, referrals, no one could get me in. So anyways, long story short, I go and meet with this author and um, and I'm, 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 I can't remember his name right now. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's a famous author and famous sales coach. And anyways, he, uh, so I go in his office and he, you know, he, he's talking to me. He's like, Andy, I'm, I'm not going to hire you. And I said, why not? You know, why wouldn't you hire me? He's like, cause he's like, you're already past where I would hire someone. He's like, you, you already have a lot of skills. You're just not seeing it. He's like, who do you want to work for? And I said, well, EMC, it's the only company I want to work for. I've said no to AT&T. I've said no to Verizon. I was like getting, you know, interviews with all these other tech companies, but I was like, no, I am working for EMC. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. How'd you get in to see me? Because most people just don't get appointments with me. And I said, well, I, I called you, you know, and talked to your assistant. And, you know, for whatever reason, she let me schedule an appointment with you. And here we are. He's like, He's like, all right, Andy, well, that's what you need to do with EMC. He's like, EMC has a New York office. You're calling corporate where there's no decision maker. There's no one in HR that knows your value. You need to talk to the decision maker. Why don't you call the head of sales at EMC and get an appointment with them this week and see what you can do? And that changed everything, you know? And, um, and so I just literally cold called EMC and, uh, you know, the uh, receptionist picked up the phone and I said, hey, I want to talk to the head of sales. And she's like, well, who are you referring to? And, you know, long and short, she could, she was trying to, you know, figure out that if I knew someone or not. And uh, I, uh, I said, listen, I, I, I believe his name's Steve, um, but I was referred to him and I want to work for the, your company. And here's my background. And I believe that I should be speaking with Steve. She's like, well, let me put you through to Mike. Mike was the recruiter. Long story short, Mike answers the phone. I said, Mike, I'm Andy Zitzman. I have no tech experience. I know nothing about, you know, what your company does. But what I do have is I have passion, I have drive, and I'm young and, you know, easily trainable. And I got a great education and I've been running my own company. There's no doubt. I've read, read about you guys, researched you guys. I am the DNA for your company. And he's like, all right, come on in tomorrow. We'll talk. And the rest is history. So <laughs> there's so many little nuggets of information that the people who are listening would really get some value out of. Uh, first and foremost, I, I love how you just bypassed all of the normal um, sort of routine of interviewing and you went straight to the source. Um, and so, so question with that, so you said you were asking for Steve. Was there someone named Steve or was that just something that you were just? There was, there was. And, uh, you know, and I didn't know if Steve was the head of sales. I come to find out at the uh, four months later when I actually walked into Steve's office and I got in the company, I didn't I, I, I realized how uh, big of a ask that really was. You know, I was dumb enough to ask for Steve. Steve was like, you know, running a, about a billion dollar business for EMC at the time. You know, and uh, pretty big, you know, has about, you know, three or four hundred people working for him. Um, so, you know, no one would normally ask for that guy. And that's why it was really strange that I was asking for him. Um, but, yeah, there was a Steve. But uh, they put me through to Mike, uh, Mike, Mike Roach. I can remember uh, vividly. And Mike was the local recruiter in the in the company that worked for the company. Yeah. And so nowadays with LinkedIn, it's so easy to just go and research a company, find out who's working there, what their positions are, and get in contact with them. So the, I think the main tip here is, if you want to work for a company and you want to take the unconventional route, yep. you know, do like AZ, do your research <laughs> and find out who's in that position and get a meeting with them. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's, you know, and I am sure you coach and, uh, you know, people to do this all the time. I mean, it's, you know, I, I always say do what you're supposed to do, but you know, doing what you're supposed to do will will likely just put you in the pile with everyone else. But you know, if you want to, I mean, especially if you're going for a sales job, I mean, if you're going for a sales driven company and you're a salesperson, um, you know, you should never settle for talking to anyone but the decision maker. Start there and get pushed down. If you do get pushed down, that's great. 
but start at the source, you know, and uh, you're right, you know, with LinkedIn and all the other ways to get a hold of people, um, you know, and, and people appreciate that, you know, believe it or not, the, you know, people that want great talent, they struggle to find it. You know, they have to go through all these interviews. They have to go through all these uh, processes that companies put in place. And, you know, it could be as simple as a little chat next to the guy, you know, at the bar with the guy next to you. And then boom, all of a sudden you've met the VP of sales for the company you want to work for. Or you can do that, you know, theoretically, you can do that virtually via LinkedIn. So, yeah. And the other thing I want to point out is that you were completely honest. You said, look, I don't have skills in this area, but this is what I do have. And this is what I bring to the table. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, you know, in interviewing that I I always try to do uh, early on is um, number one, you know, you want to build rapport with the person and, and get a little bit of common ground going. But after that, like immediately after that, you have to find out number one, what are they looking for? And why are they looking? Because now you can, you know, answer those questions based on, you know, what you want to paint, what picture you want to paint, you know, um, of yourself and of your experiences. The other thing I do is I take the objections off the table right away. So a lot of objections, like for in my case, it was experience, right? And a lot of times there is the experience objection for a, a young person, you know, in their 20s going into a job. And, you know, what I try to find out is how long has that person been at the company and where did they start out, right? Because if you know that before the objection comes up, then they get to tell you their story about how they got from where they were. And typically they were given a, you know, they were given a shot by someone. Typically they may have started somewhere else and move from HR to sales or move from, you know, furniture sales to tech sales, whatever. And they, they, you know, at some point they too didn't have experience and they got a shot. So I try to do that. And the other thing is, is really just, um, you know, just making sure that, you know, that, uh, you know, that you take the objection off the table. In today's world, a lot of the objections that people have are they've had too many jobs, right? People have been laid off over and over and over again. And people look at this as like something negative. So what I always try to do is have people rehearse their history and their story and get it off the table early in the interview and get them off the resume and get back to talking about what's important. These are really great tips. And for those of you who are listening, just make sure that you are rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing. I cannot stress this enough because as AZ mentioned, if you, it's about making a conversation, um, making a contact, having rapport. So if you can just bypass all of that and get that off the table and just focus on what's important, your strengths and why you are the perfect candidate for the job, that is going to make you stand out. But if you're not prepared, they're going to drill you and they're going to point something out and then you're going to be nervous and and then it's going to spiral down there. Exactly. I mean, it's all about, you know, trying to, you know, maintain or, you know, control at least whatever aspects of it you can control. And, uh, you know, some of the best ways to do that. I mean, in sales, you know, we talk, we call it a takeaway, right? Sometimes the best thing to do is just take the deal off the table and then they're asking you for the deal. So, um, you know, you take the objections off the table, you know, by uh, subtly telling a story that that in their mind are they already know, hey, OK, well, this person left this company because of here or this person, you know, doesn't have experience because they're 24 years old. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so let's not harp on it. Let's see if, you know, he's experienced enough, you know, and this might be a young person we want to give a shot to, you know. So, yeah. And then the other big thing before we move on is you were in the right mindset. I, I feel so many people, they go in and they're not in the right mindset where they don't believe that they can do it. And uh, subconsciously, that seeks through. So you need to go in and, and 120% believe that you are the right candidate for the position, regardless of any other skills. And that confidence is going to just seek through. Absolutely. I mean, you know what, the, the experience thing, I think there's a few few particular fields where experience matters, you know, a lot. But in most of them, probably 95 percent plus, you know, that you're going to learn on the job. You know, I mean, all of the learning is going to be on the job. And most of the time, the company wants to morph you into some type of employee anyways. Um, so, you know, prior experience doesn't necessarily mean a whole heck of a lot. But you are right about the mindset, you know. And by the way, it was Steve Schiffman. Asking Winning Questions was the book. So Steve Schiffman uh, was a big sales trainer back in the 90s and, uh, and uh, 80s, I believe. But um, anyways, the uh, mindset, that's what helped me actually was uh, starting to read some books and really, you know, preparing for the interviews. Um, Knock Em Dead 2000, I think, was the interview book that I used to refresh my, my skills, you know, and, uh, and just, you know, with preparation, 
comes confidence, right? And with confidence, you know, you know, that just, uh, you know, w- one thing as a young person you have over other people is not having experience and being young. Um, you know, when you get in front of the right person, they see themselves, their old version of themselves in you. They want to help you. They really do. So as long as you're prepared and you're confident, you know, that's really all they need to feel and hear to say, you know what, this person's going to work their butt off to make it happen, you know? And, uh, and so being young is a blessing as long as you use it to the, you know, to your, to your advantage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So, so moving on. Uh, so you got the job <laughs> and yeah. you started moving up, uh, up the ranks and you were with EMC for, for quite some time. And I want to yeah. sort of transition to the middle of story where things started taking a turn and, um, you started, you know, skewing the other way. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, even before EMC, I, you know, I was, I was always kind of a high energy guy. So, I mean, anything I ever did, I did 110%. So whether it was school, sports, and then when it became to my career, um, you know, I did it 110%. Um, what also fell into those categories though, was my, my, I guess you could call my nightlife, my partying. And, um, I was a work hard, play hard kind of guy and I was getting things too fast, you know, uh, mainly money and materials. And, uh, with EMC that just took it to a whole nother level because, you know, I went from, um, you know, I went from, you know, making good six figures at a very young age to now, you know, making two to 300,000 a year. And I was 24, 25 years old and I'm in New York and I'm driving a BMW and I, you know, I pretty much thought my, you know, my, my shit didn't stink. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, uh, and I definitely st- started to lose those values I talked about. I mean, I really was, I was, my parents raised me, you know, with great morals and values. Um, you know, grew up Catholic, um, you know, I, uh, and just, um, you know, family, um, being monetarily, uh, physically responsible, um, and just, you know, always being a good person was something that, you know, I kind of was born with, but I started to lose that as I started to get things and started to live that high life in New York. And ultimately what it led to was work hard, play hard turned into workaholic. Cause again, 110% at work. So I'm going to be a workaholic. I had to be, and, uh, you know, I was working 12 to 15 hour days and then escape, you know, I didn't know how to shut it off. And so what happened was all these money and materials, you know, made that my, that became my number one priority in life was to have success in business and to make money. And that was it. Nothing else. I mean, you know, the wheel of life and all the different things we can focus on. I focused on work and finances and that was it. And slowly but surely my health started to deteriorate. You know, I started to gain weight. I didn't feel great about myself. Um, and I just wasn't enjoying all the materials and all the things I got. And it, and I didn't know how to ultimately at eight or nine o'clock at night, turn off my focus on that one thing. And so I, I resorted to drugs and I became a cocaine addict. And by 33, um, uh, by 33, I got to the point where I had to go to rehab because I just, I couldn't keep going, man. Wow. And was that a decision that you made or you consciously made yourself or did someone sort of say, Hey, AZ. I'd like to say that I, I, you know, that I was smart enough just to wake up and say, you know what, it's time to change. But um, what happened was about a year and a half before that, I called off a wedding. I was engaged. Um, and, uh, you know, not just because of my own behavior, but for other things, we, it just wasn't going to work. And so I called off the wedding and I had an opportunity at that point, you know, like when, when you, when you, when you go through an experience like that, you know, you start asking the important questions like, what am I doing? What do I want my life to be about? And I started to get honest with myself that I had a problem with drugs, that I wanted to get healthy, that I wasn't living the way I wanted, but I just wasn't ready. And so I, I went even further into my addiction and to the point where pretty much Thursday through Sunday for about a year and a half, I was binging on cocaine by myself in my apartment, a luxury apartment. And, and I was in Boston uh, by this time. And, um, that one thing that was so important to me was work. And, you know, it wasn't losing the relationship or calling off a wedding. It wasn't losing my family and the, you know, I wasn't really losing my family, but I wasn't in the same, at the same level of the relationship I had with them. Um, you know, friends, you name it. I, I had lost pretty much everything except my work, you know? And, uh, and so none of that woke me up. But the one thing that I cared about most, unfortunately, at that time in my life, was work and making money. And what happened was I went on a three day binge on a Monday and I missed work. And when I missed work and I was a pretty, you know, 
want to say important guy, but I, I had a big role and I had a lot of people working for me and I touched about two to 250 people a week in my company. Um, and it was noticeable, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a day was it. And so, so my company called me, um, you know, my, my boss got a hold of my little brother, uh, cause he had met him once before. Uh, my parents got involved. I knew none of this was happening behind the scenes for about two days. Uh, the police showed up to my place, but weren't allowed up to my building. I had a doorman at the time, and I didn't know the police were called. I didn't know that my parents were ready to file a missing report, and I was just gone. And so, you know, that's ultimately what woke me up, you know, and and it wasn't really the family, I'll be honest, and it's sad to say, but it was because I compromised work and making money, and that was finally the thing that woke me up. Wow. So I think one thing to really, you know, just point out here is, uh, just the awareness. And like you said, you know, it was unfortunate, you know, it was work that woke you up. But at the end of the day, it's all about getting awareness and just being conscious on that. Hey, wait a second. This is not the life I want to live. And now I need to make those steps, whatever those steps are to correct that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the moments happen, you know, and they happen throughout our life. And I think that, you know, there's a saying that says we don't see things as we are. We see uh, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And, you know, I, I had a moment when I was 23. I overdosed and almost died. And that didn't wake me up. I had a moment when I was uh, 26 and was suggested, you know, that I go to, um, uh, you know, an outpatient facility to get help. And I went for a day and thought I was better than everyone and left. You know, I had the moments, you know, that and I just wasn't ready for them. And, you know, finally being in my, you know, condo with, I mean, literally I can visualize it. You know, there was a bottle of vodka that was, you know, pouring pretty much empty, pouring out on the ground. You know, cigarettes were lit, um, half lit. And, uh, you know, I had marijuana, uh, you know, across the table and the remnants of the cocaine and it was done. I, and I just knew in that moment, I just knew I was like, you know, I knew I was done. I was coming down. And so, you know, you go through jitters and it's a really sad experience with what happens when you come down through cocaine. It's like, it's really a tough time for a few hours. And I was going through that. And as I started to come out of it, you know, it was crazy, but I had like, they call it a white light experience, but basically just a calmness came over me and I was crying, you know, I was really uh, upset and, uh, and sad, but it, but I also, you know, when I accepted the feeling I had this huge amount of relief, which was I finally made the decision. I was like, you know what? I got everything. I'm miserable. I don't got to keep going. I don't have to keep going on like this. I can't. And uh, and I just made I said it to myself. I said, I am willing to lose it all, you know, all of it just so I can start to be happy again. And once I said that to myself and then I prayed to God for the first time in a long time, um, you know, a sense of relief came over me. And, um, you know, I share this with people and a lot of people have these experiences, but once we allow ourselves to step out of this like mess or this day to day that we're in, even if it's not a serious issue, just something that is a standard routine and way of life that we just think has to be the way we have to go. Um, once we're able to stop that, get conscious, be aware, like you said, and then discover maybe some other possibilities. I mean, a sense of relief, uh, relief and hope comes over you that can be so powerful that if you just pay attention to it and listen to it, you got a shot. Yeah. Wow. That is just so powerful. Yeah. It was crazy, man. Five years ago, man, five, a little over five years ago. It was nuts. You know, I had, I had, I had everything, bro. You know, I mean, there was, you know, I had everything. It was, uh, there was no excuse. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I was a pretty smart, logical guy in a lot of areas of my life. Um, except for my own life, basically, <laughs> yeah. except for on the inside. Yeah. And so again, yeah, that's what happens when you, you're just chasing the paper and nothing is good enough because you're going to keep wanting more and more and more. So you went to rehab and went to rehab. Yeah. You know, it started getting on the right track and you, you know, before this, you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, work was fully supportive and then you came back and you worked. Um, you know, for EMC for a few more years. At what point did you realize that this was, you know, your career at EMC was not the career that you wanted at the, anymore? Yeah. Well, um, I laughed because like two weeks into rehab, you know, I'm now, now I'm the leader of rehab, you know, cause I've always been kind of a, a leader or someone that people, you know, whatever. And I'm, and I was, you know, a guy came up to me, uh, two weeks into rehab and he's like, uh, 
just remember this, thou shall not be self-righteous in your recovery. And what he meant was, you know, you're part of this too. You know, it wasn't like, you know, I, I, um, I, but what I realized is that, you know, I, I'd always been kind of looked to as someone that people came to for, for help, whether it was in career or their personal life. And I always seemed to come be able to analyze and assess the situation and help them. Um, yet I wasn't able to do it for myself, you know? And so I, so I knew then that as soon as I got my own life together and I could really, you know, live by example and be congruent in the BS or the stuff that I would tell other people to do that I wasn't doing myself, you know, I knew that, um, you know, that I had a possibility of doing something that would help, you know, improve and impact other people's lives. I didn't know what it was going to be at the time, um, but I could just feel a change happening inside of me and knowing that, you know, um, you know, that I, that just the, the amount of people that have ha- had helped me, you know, over the next year or two in, in AA and doing personal development, realizing that, um, you know, there's so many people that, that, you know, could leverage some help and learn from my experience and why not, you know, take an opportunity with the second chance to actually leverage that into, you know, making sure one, I always stay on track in my life, but two, try to help people not have to go through what I went through or get out of what I had to get out of. So, so yeah, it was pretty, pretty quickly, but it's highly suggested in recovery not to make any huge life changes, geographical changes, relationship changes or anything for the first year. And once I went through a year, I said, well, you know, my company has been pretty loyal to me. I feel like I owe them a little bit. Um, and I liked what I did. I didn't hate my job, you know? Um, but, um, and I had to probably put a little bit, a few more dollars away to be able to, you know, ultimately just quit and leave when I wanted to. And so I, so I just kind of stuck with it, knowing I was going to leave, but I stuck with it and I, I, I spent the time getting me right. And I finally felt after about two and a half years that, okay, you know, I spent 33, you know, screwing up my life. I just spent two and a half trying to fix it. I think I'm now ready to take on a new challenge, you know? Great. And could you just briefly go through some of the things that you did to, as you mentioned, you know, get yourself right. Um, you know, what were some of the steps or some of the exercises that you did to sort of do that? Yeah. The, you know, the, the first thing was, um, you know, asking for help, um, and, and surrendering, you know, I mean, I really did surrender to, um, any result. I didn't, I didn't care. Like I had no idea, you know, when I was in my family room and I made the decision I was going to get help, I, I mean, I literally at that time thought I would lose my job, thought maybe I'd lose my family and thought I'd have to completely start over, you know, but I was willing to accept that. And so in surrendering to that possibility and knowing that it could be a complete like start over, you know, that helped a lot. So surrendering, asking for help and then actually listening to the help. You know, I never was a good listener. You know, I was always the know-it-all. And, um, you know, so to get out of my own way and, you know, they say, they say, you know, your best thinking got you here. Chances are your best thinking is not going to get you out of here. So not only asking for the help, but then, you know, just, you know, really just letting other people tell me essentially what I, I should do and need to do, especially when it came to recovery, when it came to, you know, stopping drinking and using. Um, so that was huge. Um, and then ultimately, you know, a program, I mean, the, uh, AA was where I went first, you know, after rehab and there's 12 steps in AA and it's a program, it's a change. It's, it's a way for you to, you know, it's a map for a better life essentially. And within that program, you have some elements that I think are key for anyone that's trying to make a change in their life. So regardless of you being an addict or not, you know, but if you want to make a change in your life, number one, you have to surrender to what's possible. And you have to surrender to a different way of life. You know, if you want things to be different, you got to do something different. Um, Number two, you know, it's really important, I think, to get into a program, you know, a program that, you know, gives you a couple things. One, it gives you people that are in a like minded community for support and for guidance. Um, Hopefully within that program, there's a mentor, some, you know, in the business world, we call it a coach, you know, or a mentor. Um, in AA, they call it, you know, they, they call it a sponsor. But, you know, having a mentor, having a community, having steps, right? Having a program and steps that can take you from where you are to where you want to be and following those steps, you know, day in and day out. I mean, daily, consistently making it your priority so that you do ultimately change because it doesn't happen right away and you will fight it no matter what. Any change, even if you want it, you're going to fight it, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious. And then, um, you know, and then on top of that, it's uh, and then once you do start to learn a few things now trying to help someone else that's behind you, right, that's trying to do what you want to do, you know, will really solidify the lessons you've learned by teaching them to someone else. And that's what AA kind of is. 
And I think that's what a lot of coaching programs are. And they're all very similar. So I'll just, you know, recap them, but surrender, ask for help, listen to the help, and then find a mentor, find a community and find and find a framework or steps that will work. And once you kind of you know, own those and start to live those, then give back, teach someone else to do what you do. And you will always stay in line and make sure you stay congruent with um, what you're trying to accomplish and what you can help other people accomplish. Great. And, and one thing that I've been hearing coming up time and time again is being incongruent. And uh, AZ, can you just talk a little bit more about that and the importance of being incongruent and what yeah. will happen if you're not? Yeah, you know, I think that, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, the people in our lives are all a mirror of, uh, you know, of, of, of who we are and what we are and what's going on, you know. And so, um, you know, it's just very natural, I think, for all of us to look outside of ourselves to say what's wrong with someone or why is something happening. Uh, but in reality, you know, typically any, any, any issue that's going on in your life is a mirror of something that's probably going on internally with you. And sometimes it's easy to identify and sometimes it's not. Um, but you know, what I mean with being congruent is, you know, for me, I gave a lot of people advice on, you know, relationships, um, on their career, on discipline, on consistency and commitment when it came to certain areas. And yet here I was, I mean, I was a hard worker, but here I was completely escaping my life and not dealing with my own problems, you know? And, uh, and so it was very incongruent for me in my twenties to be acting as that person for people. And even though it may have helped them a little bit when I myself wasn't doing it myself, you know? And, uh, and the other thing is, is, you know, it just in general, right? I mean, like in, in AA, um, you know, the way that they help you with this is you, you say, you know, you, you only can give what you got, right? So only share what you know and only share what you have experienced. And if you don't know it, just be honest and true with someone. Say, I don't know that I've never experienced that. You know, maybe you should talk to someone else. Um, but, you know, by living it, it's going to be that much more solid, not only when you give it to someone else, you know, the, the ability for them to actually leverage that to change, but just for yourself, you know, your self-esteem I and mean, your self-esteem knows when you're being honest with yourself. And that's the first step, you know, in living a, a fulfilling life is self-honesty. And so to me, that's, you know, what it means to be congruent or incongruent. Yeah. And just another uh, tip for you listening and I experienced this um, in my own sort of career is when you're not aligned with what you're meant to do, um, you're fooling yourself. Uh, because when I was uh, two jobs ago, when I was working for Cavario, and I Cavario is one of the largest uh, search agencies and recently got acquired, um, I was required to do all of these things. And again, on the surface, it looks like it was cool, you know, a lot of traveling and stuff like that. But if you're you know, you're essentially faking yourself. Um, and if it's not aligned with what you ultimately want to do, there's going to be this disconnect. And as more, you know, more and more, if you try to fight it, it's just going to just make matters worse. And you just need to just become aware of that. Yeah, you know, you bring up a great point, Gary, you know, and I, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wasn't uh, thinking of it um, in that sense, too. But, you know, you're right. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, I always talk to people about, you know, game times, my, my business, and it's, you know, step up your game in life and business. And, you know, I, um, I, you know, when I, when I talk to people about my success in the corporate world, I mean, I can paint a picture, right? If I'm on an interview, I got a great story for you. Um, but if you want reality, you know, reality is I never reached my potential. And I never um, and I didn't reach my potential because I wasn't being congruent. And, uh, you know, and, and that's really what life's about. Right. If we if we look at um, measuring ourselves based on what we're doing and where we're at and, and we can honestly say, you know what, I'm doing what I love. This is the life that I've designed and, and I've been intentional about designing that life. And this is really who I am and what I want to be doing. Great. You know, that's awesome. Um, but unfortunately, the majority of people never get there. Um, and the reason being is just like you said, you know, it's like if you're out of alignment in certain, a certain area in your life, it's going to affect all the other areas. And specifically in this case, you know, career or what we do for work, um, you know, if we're not doing what we love or what we're passionate about, it is just a matter of time until it will affect the other areas of our life. Now, I think that some people can, as long as they spend conscious time there, accept that, that, Hey, for whatever reasons, maybe there are really valid reasons why you have to stay in this job or this career and you can find your fulfillment in the other areas of life. Great. Unfortunately, I don't think most people do that. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. uh, but you, that goes back to that word you used early on, which is just awareness. Right. And, uh, you know, cause some people might not be able to just 
drop and go and do what they love and they're passionate about based on their current circumstances. But they can get conscious with that. They can accept it and they can deal with it a lot better and at least go focus on the areas that they maybe do have control over. Yeah, exactly. And just to elaborate on that, if you feel like if you have this feeling like, all right, there's this big disconnect and, you know, maybe you're expecting to be doing your life's work at your job and you do some soul searching and you realize that you're more of a helper or more of, you know, someone that is a teacher and you currently can't just quit your job because not everyone can just get up and leave. Well, right. how else could you be fulfilling that need so that you feel like you're doing your purpose? Awesome, dude. I love it, man. What else? That's yeah. a question I tell my clients all the time. What else? What else? What yeah. else? You what know, else could I, you be doing? And there's so many other things. And, and it's all about these days not doing the conventional uh, because the route that everyone has painted, like you need to do X, Y, and Z, that is not everyone's design life. And you, I, I love how you mentioned design life and being in, intentional with what you want to do because uh, having a design life means that you don't just follow that normal path. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, at a certain point, you know, we all got to wake up and just, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, awareness, you know, there's acceptance um, and then there's ultimately accountability. Right. And, you know, when, no matter what's happened to us um, at the end of the day, you know, when we make the decision to be accountable for our life, you know, then then we got to, you know, we have an opportunity to then start taking some action and making things happen. And, uh, you know, the whole concept of congruency is just, I think, you know, life to me, it's like, it's just a bunch of feelings, you know, and every moment's a feeling and every moment's another feeling, another feeling. And, you know, when we're congruent, meaning we're, you know, you know, saying, doing what we say and, uh, you know, and, uh, and doing what we love, um, chances are, you know, your self-esteem is just going to feel that much better. And, and, and that feeling, you know, good self-esteem will probably lead to a good life. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, so moving on with you, so you spent two years just getting your stuff together and you eventually left EMC to do what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, how did you figure out what was the next steps? Can you just take us through that part? Yeah, man. You know, it's like, uh, I know I wish there was like this, like, here's how you find your purpose and passion. Do this, do that. And then boom, you're good. Um, but I, <laughs> for me, it was a journey, you know, um, you know, it started with getting sober and going to rehab. It started with going to AA and doing that for a year and nothing else. And then ultimately I got involved in personal development and started to spend about, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week above and beyond my job. Um, and, you know, where I was a, a participant in specific programs. Um, and then I started to facilitate them and, and coach them essentially. Right. And so in doing that, you know, there was just so much that was happening inside of me and so much discovery um, happening about, you know, who I was, you know, um, never not really trying to figure out why I did what I did, but trying to figure out what I want to do going forward and what I want my life to be about. And so, you know, really, it was just taking um, massive action and spending a lot of time um, working on me, you know, working on my spirit, working on my mind, um, learning more um, about motivation and leadership and teamwork and accountability and, and honesty and, you know, doing a ton of stuff like that for years. I mean, I, I, I really it was about two and a half, three full years of just hard work on myself, um, knowing that there was going to be something else, but not really trying to spend time on my next step spending time on getting me right first, you know? And I knew that if I got me right first, that the world would have plenty of opportunity for me, you know, above and beyond what I was doing at the time. And so ultimately what happened was in doing that work on me and getting help and then starting to help other people, um, you know, even outside of recovery, really just in life in general, I realized that, and I started to learn about coaching and what coaching was and all that. I just realized that, you know, I'd been given a second chance um, I've been given some things too. I mean, I think, you know, some, uh, skill sets, um, speaking and, and, uh, and, uh, and passion and inspiration and just like a personality. And this isn't to toot my own horn, but it's just, I started to look at some of my strengths and I'm like, Hey, you know, not everyone's like that. You know, I've been kind of given some of these things, you know, and I have a story. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, it's been proven that I can help people in, in business, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could help them in business and life. And ultimately that led to the next, you know, uh, decision, which was I need to leave corporate, um, you know, and take some time to really flush this out. And I actually left and spent six months and I kind of, uh, you know, before I made my final decision on what I was going to do next, I did take six months off 
And so, uh, so really for me, man, it was just investing with myself, investing in myself and, uh, you know, and doing the work and not just doing it for a week or two, but for a couple of years, you know, to ultimately get clear on who I was and what I wanted. And then from there, having the courage to make the decision to, to leave it, you know? That's great. And one thing to point out there is it's not a destination. <laughs> it's a journey. And exactly. it's just all about taking what's that next step. One step at a time and and not being focused on what what's the outcome, uh, being focused on how are you are adding value? How are you being incongruent with what you were designed to do? And all those other things will manifest itself. Totally, man. I mean, you know, the seven, you know, seven habits and everything. I mean, they, 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 it's always suggested, you know, start with the end in mind, right? Have a goal, have a result, you know, and, you know, and so I think it's really important to pick that goal or result and to visualize it and to really put some intention and visualization into seeing it so that you ultimately get started. But, but to your point, and, and at the end of the day, and I, um, in preparing for this call, you know, I did uh, write a few answers down, but um, a couple of things that, you know, I think are the art, the art and science of, of living life is having your goals and, and having a desire for certain results. But ultimately, once you've picked those things, then you just focus on the effort, right? Because the results will never be what we think they are. They could be worse. They could be better, right? Uh, but you know, and, and John Wooden, who's like the best, you know, basketball coach of all time, never talked about winning, never talked about the result. He talked about execution and day in and day out, just, you know, focusing on your effort. And it's, it's a, kind of a no brainer, right? I mean, if you focus on your effort and, you know, one of the sayings I live by, which is do the next right thing and more will be revealed, um, then chances are the results are going to be there for you more times than not. Right. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, is, you know, just, you know, focus on the effort and not the result. Right. You know, it's like you want that result, but focus on the effort and the rest will take care of itself. And, um, you know, it's I think it also helps a lot, especially as an entrepreneur, which is a new thing for me in the last couple of years, is knowing that, you know, mistakes and failures, you know, and, and not getting the results. You know, that's I mean, that's where all the growth is. That's where all the learning is. And it's a necessary part of uh, of stepping up, you know, and unfortunately for most, they either react negatively to mistakes and failures or they never, you know, take the, the leap to go and live the life they want because they're afraid of the mistakes or failures. And so they're OK with just being OK. And we weren't put here to be OK. You know, we were put here to freaking live an awesome life. Yeah, exactly. And. What do they say? Uh, life is lived outside of your comfort zone. Yes, sir. And, and you need to get used to just being outside of your comfort zone because you're right. There's the old way where we live in fear. We don't live a life that we were designed to. And then there's the new way is that we go and find that and we're pioneers. And and yeah. I feel like we just got too safe and we need to go back to the the old days. And I mean, like way back to like before like the US was the US and, and we were pioneers and we were exploring things and yeah, there was dangers, but yeah, that's where all the fun is. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. You know, I mean, I Agreed. think that, you know, people like you and I, man, you know, um, and, and our, you know, our generations, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's easy for us to say those things, you know, at the same time, it's like, we've been blessed. I mean, you know, we, we in this country, I mean, we have more than, you know, almost everyone. I mean, the lowest of the lowest class in this country is actually much better off than most people in the world. Um, and so, you know, I think it's fairly standard, right? When things are working and they're going really well, what usually comes next? Well, what comes next are structures and processes and operating procedures, you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and complacency. And I think that unfortunately, that's what's, you know, happening a lot with our our country um, and uh, in this world is, you know, a, a level of entitlement and complacency along with um, a lack of vision. You know, um, we don't need to have as much vision these days because it's almost created for us. Yeah. And, and it requires us to just, you know, take what I hear all the time, just take action and take. Now it's uh, losing me. It's. Um, just sail fast forward. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I'm like, what was it? it? It was just, you know, just take action, any sort of action. And it doesn't have to imperfect. Thank you. Imperfect take, action. Imperfect right. action. What is that next step? As you mentioned, what is that next step? And just keeping yeah. taking those next steps and yeah. And having a vision. And, and I feel the reason why people are 
it's not that they don't have a vision. It's just that they're scared of just putting that out there because it may get criticized or anything like that. And we need to go back to our childhoods of when we were kids and we just did stuff just because it made us happy. Yep. Yeah, I tell you, man, when I was leaving corporate, a lot of people were trying to talk me out of it. And they're like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, I mean, even though I had my, you know, my uh, issues with drugs and I spent a ton of money and I wasted a lot of money, I still did fairly well, you know, with putting some of it away. And I was on track, you know, I mean, I was 36 years old. I knew that um, I had been at EMC for 12 years. And I'm like, if I just spent another 10 years and I was single at the time, you know, I didn't have kids. Um, I'm like, I know I could spend another 10 to 15 years and by my mid to late 40s, I'd be set. You know, in fact, I would have been set by 40 if I was just smart with my money the first time around. Um, and, you know, that was a hard thing to walk away from. I'm like 10 years. I'm set. Retire early. Life's great. You know, and it's like, well, wait a second. You know, I had to like think about that. I'm like, well, wait, the you know, the, fir- the, the last 12 years. Yeah, I would probably save money. I'd be smarter about it. But this is part of what led me to, you know, you know, self-destruction. I can't I can't continue with that. And. You know, there's no guarantee that I'm going to see 46 or 47, you know, I mean, there's no guarantees, you know, so it's like, why wait, you know, and, um, and so for me, I just had to make that leap, you know, and people thought I was crazy, because there was a lot of security in staying, you know, Um, the other piece of it was, um, you know, not only not only was there a lot of security in staying it, but you know, you talked about, you know, not having the vision or not having the courage to go for it. It's like, I mean, I just look at it. And it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, you know, if you're if you're, uh, I mean, let's put it this way. If you're a person, you know, that is even just remotely educated in this country, there is so much opportunity for you. And, you know, it's been proven in the dot-com bubble in 2000 and in 2007 that, you know, your savings and your financial planning and the way that we go about, you know, saving for retirement are not safe, right? So if you're sitting here at 30-something years old, and even if you, if you, I mean, if you're, if you're 30 years old and you don't have a half a million of net worth, you know, saved, then guess what? You can go do anything you want with your life. So good job. Because the reality is, you know what I mean? Like if you got a half a million and, and that's really growing, you might want to stick with that and let that grow and you'll be good. But the reality is most people in their 30s, you know, and, and in 40s in this country are actually not only do they not have a half a million in net worth, they're in debt. And so, you know, if you're already at that place, you know, and you and you don't, you know, as long as you don't make it worse, you know, why they people get stuck to doing this job just to keep up, you know, paying their bills and keep up. And it's like you you can be doing that a completely different way. I mean, this 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 perception that this this future retirement is there for you is completely gone. I mean, you know, it's completely gone. And chances are even what people are doing today to get out of that debt or get to the next step, um, you know, if if that's just going to help them just, you know, keep up with where they're at, then why are you playing that game, too? You know, so for me, it was like, I'm like, I can go do anything and I don't have to make the money that I had to make before. And I, I know that I could be smarter with it. And I also know it's not going to make me happy. So what am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So, so moving on, just because we're running out of time, just to sum everything up, can you just jump into what you're into now uh, yeah. and how that's going? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, I um, after I left corporate, um, I, uh, I moved down to Florida. So I live in South Florida. It's beautiful and sunny all the time here. I love it. Actually, today it's like 60. So I got a little sweater on. It's kind of crazy wearing socks. Yeah. Um, but I moved to Florida. Um, I actually went to high school down here in Florida. And I um, I, uh, I coached uh, high school basketball for a couple of years uh, while I also started a coaching business about six months after I came down here. And I was doing life and career coaching for about a year, um, mainly life coaching for people in the corporate world. Um, and I transitioned after I started to become an entrepreneur myself, started to learn about online marketing, started to learn about scaling my own business and what I can do to leverage social media and, you know, autoresponders and programs and products and all these things to, um, you know, add to my repertoire, if you will, of just, um, just one-on-one coaching. I realized that, you know, I really wanted to start to connect again, um, from a business level, coaching people in business. So today I, I'm a business coach, um, and I basically help people um, not only in their life, but in their business. And I focus on entrepreneurs and uh, partner with a gentleman by the name of AJ Amex. And essentially, he and I together, um, we take people like me a year and a half ago that were just getting into coaching, whether they just did a certification program, 
they just started their practice and they want to take it you know, to a new level or they're jumping in online and they're buying all the programs and learning all these things, but they're just not, you know, they're struggling to put all the pieces together. Um, we take people like that. And what we do is in 90 days, we get the entire business foundation solidified, you know, so, you know, from the website to your email copy, to your content strategy, social media strategy, um, and then helping with, uh, you know, helping with uh, other areas in terms of developing their programs and uh, launching those programs, both offline and online, so that they can monetize and scale and be in a position now where they could scale exponentially uh, once they get the foundation built. So that's what we do with entrepreneurs, mainly speakers, uh, trainers, coaches, and consultants. And uh, the name of the business is Game Time Movement. Yep. And we'll include notes of all of those in the show notes. Oh, and oh, and for shits and giggles, I have a little daily, uh, daily motivational podcast too. So. Yes, which is called... <laughs> Yeah, that's called Game Time with Andy Zitzman. Uh, it's on iTunes and Stitcher. It's also on the website, GameTimeMovement.com. Uh, but yeah, it's a daily motivational, uh, inspirational podcast, video and audio. So, you know, you can consume it as you like. But it's uh, kind of my little way just to keep myself motivated every day because I, I invest in motivation every day. And um and uh, something that I do, uh, you know, to try to help, I, you know, mainly the general public uh, speaking more towards entrepreneurs to just give them, you know, a thought or a little umph, you know, a little pick me up each and every day um, for a quick five minutes or so. so. Perfect. And we'll include that in the show notes. And now it's time for the lightning round. Uh, wow. AZ, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> These are the questions that I asked all of our guests here just to find out how they tick and just a little bit more about them. And the first question, because it wouldn't be a Breakthrough Cocktail podcast without discussing some sort of drinks. And we know, AZ, that you are you're sober. And so so drinking alcohol may not be the thing for you. But what sort of drinks do you consume? What, what sort of cocktails, uh, whether it be smoothies or whatnot, are in yep. your uh, daily routine? Yeah, well, I, I definitely drink a ton of water. Um, you know, I, I do, I do uh, you know, abide by drinking about half of my body weight and ounces of water every day. Um, and I, unfortunately, I still drink coffee. I got off it, I got on it, I got off it, but I do drink coffee in the morning. So uh, coffee and water are probably the top two. Um, but to your point of smoothie, I actually do. Uh, I have a little Nutribullet and, uh, and a Vitamix. So, um, you know, when uh, my fiance and I really want to get after it, we'll do some juicing. But uh, for the most part, I do a, uh, I do a smoothie uh, after I work out each morning. So, so I do do that as well. But yeah, really just water and coffee for me, man. <laughs> Perfect. It's, it's all good. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was on coffee, off coffee. And, you know, after reading The 4-Hour Body with Tim Ferriss and, and learning like coffee, just black coffee with cinnamon, you know, really helps with um, concentration and stuff like that. I've been trying little, little doses and it, yeah, it, it has been helping. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Next question is, when you're a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I guess, unfortunately, for someone my size, I wanted to be a basketball player. So um, I'm only about five, seven and a half ish, maybe, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I dreamed of being in the NBA, being a basketball player. Um, I grew up in the, you know, the early 90s of college hoops when, uh, you know, the Dukes and UNC's and Georgia Tech's and AC, the ACC was the, the conference back then. Um, I actually loved Kentucky. My twin brother loved Duke. Um, and, uh, my twin brother, a little tidbit, uh, did walk on Michigan's basketball team. So he played with, uh, two of the fab five and had like a little mini Rudy story, if you will. Um, but I wasn't quite good enough. So after, after high school, I gave up on that dream. <laughs> awesome. No worries. And this is a question specifically for you since you did have a twin. Did you guys dress alike? Yeah. You know, uh, one thing about us is we weren't, we weren't like those twins that had to be together all the time. And, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we would never wear the same outfit, but we shared clothes. We were exactly the same size. I mean, uh, up until about 16, I look back at pictures. I, sometimes I can't even tell us apart now. We don't even really look that much alike, which is crazy, but yeah, we shared clothes. We had the same taste in music and women and sports. And, you know, we were, we were so much alike. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was hard not to, uh, you know, hard not to dress alike a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's always the, the question that, that I curious about for people that are twins is because a lot of times you see the, especially when they're babies that, oh, they have matching outfits. And I was always curious on, you know, if they have a desire to do that, because granted, you guys uh, were the same, like in the womb, like you guys are like, like neck and neck. And then you guys are pretty much like the same person. So I was always curious about that. 
Yeah, we were, we were, we, we loved, uh, you know, we had all the same interests. So it was just kind of natural for us to have a lot of the same friends and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we may or may not have dressed up as, uh, as, um, oh geez, what are that crisscross, uh, for <laughs> Halloween a couple times. So <laughs> with the backwards, uh, like overalls and everything and the cross colors right. and, Oh uh, yeah, we're 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 uh, we in South Florida in those days, man. It was uh, all about hip hop and R and B, and we were definitely into it. So, <laughs> uh, love to see a photo of that. All right. So, 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 next question is: You're you're an entrepreneur. You you have a lot going on. Can you give us some tips on how to stay organized and how you stay organized? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'd be so, and and to be fully uh, congruent, <laughs> I would say that you know, I you know, organization and time management are not my top two things. I am a, um, as AJ likes to call me, a blaze. I just kind of like I'm a fiery guy. Um, but you know, I will say this. You know, um, I have had to get more organized as an entrepreneur in the corporate world. Structure is kind of just there for you. So all you have to do is kind of show up and it's kind of there for you. And uh, being an entrepreneur and a business owner, I mean, it's not, you know, and so you really do have to work on it. So what I do is, you know, I, um, a couple of simple things that I do is I definitely, um, you know, spend my time in the morning um, and my morning process and everything before I get my day started. And I give myself a lot myself that time, no matter how badly I want to get working early. Cause I, I am a morning guy. I think that's one of your questions as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, but I, I make sure no matter what, I stay um, focused on my morning process as well as my working out because that helps me throughout the day in staying focused and organized in the other areas. And and then what I do is I, I take my calendar by week, you know, and I batch my time. I have my coaching calls on certain days. They're batched. Um, I chunk my time as well. I've learned that, you know what? Um, if I give myself two hours, I'll take two hours. If I give myself an hour, I'll take an hour. You know, um, I've gotten to a point with my podcast, you know, where, um, you know, it would take me, you know, an hour to do one episode for five minutes. And now it's like I just I get it done and it's good enough. You know, I give myself 15 minutes to get one video done and that's it no matter what. And, uh, you know, it's it. And so so I batch my time. So like minded tasks, I batch. I chunk my time where I, you know, I only give myself a certain amount of time to complete things. Um, and, uh, and then I just, you know, on a weekly basis, I make sure that everything is scheduled in advance. So whether it's, you know, um, you know, uh, sales calls that I need to make enrollment calls, um, or just, you know, personal time with my fiance, everything I have is pretty much planned. Yeah. And I'm very similar, very unorganized, uh, at times and I can be all over the place. And I tend to, because I know that about myself, tend to, really work with people that are organized and they keep me uh, a little bit more sane. And and you're right. Like that was something that I learned recently too, is batching, batching like mind, uh, like tasks, just because yeah. when you're in flow, it's just crazy. And, and then giving yourself chunks of time because yeah, if you give yourself two hours, you spend two hours. Exactly. And and I can multitask with the best of them, you know, and I used to do that in corporate. I mean, I used to, I'd love to show you my calendar sometime in corporate. It was crazy. You know, I mean, I'd have like a, you know, conference call on one phone and, you know, another one, you know, yeah, yeah. Call back. you know, it is in the tech days, man. It was yep. crazy. But, you know, the thing is, is that um, I could get by with that, with that because there was structure around that, even the, so my craziness in that structure worked. But, you know, my craziness without structure would be crazy. And, um, you know, and even to this day, so I tell you, I plan everything out, but some days, you know, I do better than others and making sure I, uh, you know, I, I, I commit to it and do it. Um, but, you know, in doing it and just creating it, it gives me a chance and I'm getting better and better at my time management and my structure. Yeah. You know, and the other thing I do, too, is I I'm a notes guy. You know, I still do a lot of notes, hand, you know, and I got a list this long of my tasks of the day and I used to rewrite them every day. And what I uh, learned is now I just pick, you know, my top three. Sometimes it's five, but my top three. And as long as if I'm going to measure my day, um, you know, success, it's going to be on three things, not 25 things, because I was having a bad day almost every day because I never got, any, you know, got everything done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I would move up the 25th thing to the top because it was short and easy when, you know, uh, now it's like those first three things got to get done before I move on to the other stuff, you know? So true. So true. Yeah. It's easy to focus on the urgent and, you know, we neglect the, the things that are important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for anyone that's listening and watching, I mean, it's like just, you know, set yourself up for success. Start small. If you're unorganized and you know, it's a really big problem for you, start small. Don't try to take on everything, but pick the one thing you do want to be more organized in and then start to stack it up from there. Because trying to do it all at once, set yourself up for failure, you give up and then you'll never go back. No, no. 
Agreed. So moving on, uh, if you can paint for us the soundtrack of your life and, and pick three <laughs> songs that would definitely be on the list, what three would you pick? Man, you know, I wrote these down, actually. I, um, I can't pick three songs, but I'm going to try. You, could, yeah, um, <laughs> you can pick four. Just what, what songs are on that soundtrack? Yeah. Well, I love R. Kelly. Um, so uh, I'll start with R. Kelly. He's the world's greatest. Um, he has a ton of other songs that are that I love much more than this song per se. But for my life, um, it's a song that I listen to and it, it, it always stirs up emotion. It gets me emotional. Um, you know, it helps me to remind myself that, you know, I am great and that I'm capable of great things. Um, you know, and that I, when I can uh, get into that moment and, you know, uh, connection with my soul, my heart, you know, um, it just really feels safe, secure, and uh, a little bit of validation to keep going, you know. So I love that song. Um, the other one is uh, 95 South. There it is. Yes. Um, and that's because that takes me back to my high school days. Uh, my high school was St. Andrews. And so our crowd, we were like the Cameron crazies at Duke. And so that song would come on in our warm up and the, the crowd would say, S.A. Hoops, there it is. Instead uh, of whoop, there it is. So S.A. Hoops, there, there it is. is. And um, but when I think of that song and I think about how I operated on that team, uh, we were you know ranked in the state. and We were a really good basketball team. Um, I, I can see the crowd cheering. I can see the camaraderie in the school. I can see the teamwork. I can see my level of intensity and focus. I can feel it. Um, and, it, you know, it was the epitome of, um, you know, really how I want to live my life, which is whenever I stepped onto that court for practice or for, you know, the game, I was focused. I was intentional. I was going to give it my all. I was going to die for loose balls. I was going to hustle, you know, and, you know, I had a crowd and people that were in it with me. You know what I mean? And I, with my school, I had such camaraderie. So when I talk to kids, I try to share that message with them. Um, and when I think about it with my life, you know, I know that, um, you know, it, ha it hasn't been the same all the time in terms of the level of intensity and focus I had when I was a high school basketball player. So that's a good song. And then the other one is, um, I got a couple more, but, um, but, um, I, uh, I got a few Eminem songs. Um, I love not afraid because, you know, it has to do with recovery and it's a great journey and it has some really good messages in there and then just lose yourself. You know, I, uh, I love that because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's really the truth, man. We only get one shot, you know, and, uh, I, I missed plenty of opportunities, you know, in my 20s to do something better or to take care of myself or to go for it even bigger than I did. And I didn't necessarily take all those. Um, and I've been given some second chances. I think we all are given second chances until one day they run out. And yeah. so, you know, lose yourself to me is just a great, you know, whenever I need a little pick me up and to get fired up and motivated, um, you know, to step up. I, that song's awesome. So there you have it. But my mom, would, my, my mom would tell you that I have to put bring up one fourth and final song, which is Boys to Men, a song for mama. I love Boys to Men, but my mom's the best mom in the world. Um, she's been a saint. And uh, and uh, this just to you know, play that song for her every Mother's Day when I call her and I play that yeah. song for her. And every now and then on occasion, she cries. We uh. get connected. And um, and uh, I love that song because, uh, you know, my mom, you know, has been the food to my soul and she's uh, an amazing woman. And uh, and that song, um, you know, just uh, I just appreciate her so much. And so I love uh, sharing that with her because it is, you know, if I would say there's a song that, you know, is consistent in my life every year with emotion, it would be that song with my mom. That's it's such a good song. And yeah, and I, I agree. Just think about it. Um, yeah, it's bringing up emotions. Yeah, because me and my mom, we're pretty close as well. So. Very good song and awesome song. And by songs. the way, I, I do have Key Sweat, New Edition, Black Street, and a few others, but we won't go into those songs. <laughs> that would just make the perfect playlist. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dude, it's, my, it's called my So Dope playlist, man. I got my So Dope playlist. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to send me those songs, and we'll, we'll include all of them in the show notes because that would be a playlist I would definitely, definitely put on Spotify or whatnot, so... I totally Good. agree. I, I'll, I'll share my So Dope playlist with you on Spotify. How about that? Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> there we have it. It's all late 80s, early 90s, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, so two more questions. One is, since you are the inspiration guy, what is a quote or affir affirmation that you like to live your life by? Yeah, so I um I talked I talked about a, a few of them, but you know one of them that I do is uh, that I do repeat to myself every day is do the next right thing and more will be revealed. Um, you know, and that's that is I got that from recovery, but um, you know, I think in life in general, right? And we talked about not focusing on the result, just focus on the effort. Um, just do the next right thing and more will be revealed. I mean, if we can be honest with ourselves that we're doing the next right thing, 
then chances are the next right thing will continue and continue and continue. And, uh, and whatever the result may be, you'll probably be more capable of handling and accepting it if you're just doing the next right thing. So, so do the next right thing. And then the last question is, if you can give our audience one tip, one thing that they can do right now to help get them on the right track of finding their passion and doing work that they love, what would that be? Yeah, I would say that the number one thing that uh, you can do because, you know, finding doing the work that you love and finding your passion, you know, um, you may find that and then you might find it again and find it again and again, you know, um, especially if you're if you're like me, you know, or someone that, you know, seems to shift a lot. But I would say this, um, that the, the guarantee that you will ultimately find it and will ultimately live the life that you want um, will absolutely happen as long as you just invest in yourself. That's it. Just invest in yourself, whether it's reading, whether it's spirits, whatever, whatever suits you, you know, reading, watching uh, shows, investing in programs, going to events, doing personal development, going to church, you know, religion, whatever, whatever your track is um, that, that floats your boat or many attracts, as long as you constantly invest in yourself and are willing to learn and grow, then chances are you're going to find your way. And there you have it. Yes, couldn't have said it better myself. AZ, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show, uh, such a delight. And I know those of you who are listening, would it's gonna find so much value out of this. So to take us home, AZ, if someone wants to stay in touch with you, let us know how we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I mentioned earlier, um, the uh, my website is gametimemovement.com. Uh, so www.gametimemovement.com. And, uh, you know, there you can go um, a couple things that are on that site. So um, my daily podcasts are on the podcast tab. Um, we have a play of the week um, under the playbook, which uh, AJ, uh, my business partner, gives some great tips for entrepreneurs in terms of how to grow your business, your content strategy, build your list, uh, et cetera. So uh, we released um, we release an email every Monday for Motivational Monday and every Thursday for the play of the week. So if you go to the gametimemovement.com and enter your name and email, you know, we'll, we'll deliver those to you. Um, and if you're a coach, a trainer or a speaker, you know, check out the coaching tab, check out the contact form and feel free to reach out to AJ and I. We do, um, you know, complimentary strategy sessions um, for anyone that reaches out to us uh, and is interested in asking, you know, maybe how we might be able to help them grow their business online. And then uh, last but not least, just uh, on iTunes or Stitcher, if you check out Game Time with Andy Zitzman, that's my daily podcast. And, uh, you know, if you just like a little pick me up every day and uh, something short, sweet and to the point, I do my best to be passionate and inspire and, and uh, inspire. And, uh, you know, that's the other uh, way to connect with me. Perfect. And we'll include all of those in the show notes and more breakthroughcocktail.com. So don't worry about if you're if you're driving or jogging or at the gym and you haven't had a chance to take notes. That's where you can find everything. And until next time, everyone, stay awesome. See you later. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome.